Well, good morning. Welcome to Starting Point Class 2. We'll start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercies, and I pray that you would help us this morning as we study uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, as we study who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And bless those who've come this morning. Give them your grace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let me just... Let me just draw you out here, or not draw you out, but let me just give you the big picture here of what what we're, what we're talking about. God is one God in three persons. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ. You learned last week uh, much about the work of God the Son, Jesus Christ, in salvation. And then, when Jesus Christ's work was done on this earth, when he ascended into heaven, the Bible says that God the Father and God the Son then sent God the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who is here today to apply the work of God the Son in our lives. So God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son did his work, his redemptive work, and he ascended into heaven. And God the Father and God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit. So one God, three persons, acting in perfect concert to bring salvation to his people. It is God the Holy Spirit who is with us now, applying the work of God the Son in our lives. He regenerates us. I think you might have heard these words last week. He regenerates us. He gives life to our dead souls. He justifies us. He makes us right before God what we could not do on our own. And he sanctifies us. Now this week we're going to talk about that sanctification. This is that part of making us more and more like Jesus Christ. But what I want to highlight to you, and you can glance at your notes, is that God the Holy Spirit is God's active presence with us. Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. It is the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. You know, a lot of parents say, well, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, no. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit who inhabits us, and that's his work. He is God's active presence with us, many scriptures there. And then the Holy Spirit is God's saving presence, Roman numeral two. Like I mentioned before, regeneration. He gives us new birth, justification. God counts us as righteous in Christ based on what Christ has done for us. You went through that last week. Now, Roman numeral three, the Holy Spirit is God's purifying presence. So the Holy Spirit is God with us. The Holy Spirit communicates God's saving grace to us. And Roman numeral three, the Holy Spirit is God's purifying presence. Now here's this big word, sanctification. Sanctification. What does that mean? It means this, reading from your notes. Sanctification is the continuing work of God, the Holy Spirit, in the life of a believer. It is a progressive work in which we become more and more free from sin And like Christ, in short, our actual lives become increasingly conformed with our legal status before God. So when we are saved, first we must be justified. We talked about that last week. We are at ought with God. We have sinned against God. So we must be justified. And that's done in Christ. Then, this week we're talking about, we must be sanctified. And that means we must be changed so that our wicked ways change. We become more and more like Christ. Justification. And then one day we will be glorified. 
And that is, when Jesus returns, we will be like him, and we will receive glorified bodies. That day is in the future. So the Holy Spirit's work right now is to sanctify us, and it's a process. It is a work of grace. So God, the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more holy, just as God himself is holy. Now let me just... Let me just say this to you very quickly. The Holy Spirit's work is, is manifold. He's, he glorifies Christ. Uh, he opens up our hearts. He, he regenerates us. He's, he sanctifies us. He, he, he makes us like Jesus. We're going to see he also empowers us for witness. Okay? He gives us gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we might serve in the church. So these are... This is what this class today is the broad view of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's a fancy term for that in theology. It's called pneumatology. Pneumatology. So, let's take a look now in Roman numeral three. We're going to really drop into this the Holy Spirit, God's purifying presence, this, this, um, this situation of sanctification, of being made holy, even as God is holy. Now, I just want to remind you of something, that the barrier to holiness, the barrier to holiness is sin. And if you've just arrived, we're on page, what of the notes? Page four of the notes. So, so imagine this, we have been justified and we've been made righteous. It's a, it's a point in time. We've been counted as righteous, not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. Our sins have been taken away, been counted as righteousness, right? That's justification. Sanctification now is becoming who we are. All right, there's a fancy term. Forensically, I can count you as just and right. You can say, oye, farias, righteous. The judge goes, boom, you know, your charges have been dropped and you are, you're free to go, Mr. Farias. But if he doesn't change... What's he going to go out and do the next day? Whatever he did that got him in trouble. Steal, whatever. Sanctification is this process of becoming who we are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is front and center in that process. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. It's being holy. Right? That's the call. We must be holy as God is holy. Now, what are the barriers to holiness? What are the barriers that the Holy Spirit must break through and work in us so that we can become who we are? I love saying it. We're becoming who we are. Okay. The first one is sin. And sin is rebellion against God. Sin is us saying, I'm not going to do it your way, Father. It's everything that opposes God, everything that rebels against God. And so the Holy Spirit is helping us. Now, there's a helpful little quote in your notes. I don't know what page it's at, but it says, At regeneration, the power of sin is broken. Everybody see that? And we are made alive in Christ. This is, these are all works of the Holy Spirit, guys. In justification, the penalty of sin is removed. We are declared righteous in Christ. In sanctification, the pollution of sin is progressively removed as we are made holy in Christ. Sanctification is what we're talking about right now. Okay? All right. We are set aside for God. Christ Jesus is our model for sanctification. B. You see that? The model for holiness, Jesus Christ. And C, the motive for our holiness is love for God. 
We love him because he first loved us. But now, D, we've got to talk about the battle for holiness. Anybody in this room ever do something you said I'm never going to do again? Yeah, like this morning. (laughs) Okay. You want to change, don't you? You know you're wrong. You want to be a better fill-in-the-blank husband, wife, son, daughter, Christian, you know, employee, fill-in-the-blank. You want to stop getting angry. You know, you want to start caring. Right? We're all there. All right. So here's the battle for holiness. Number one, we must understand the power of sin is broken. Romans 6.2, we died to sin. How can we live in any longer? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's a compilation of passages from Romans chapter 6, verses 2, 6, and 11. All right, here's the question. If the power of sin is broken out, which it is, in in, uh, uh, regeneration, right? The power of sin is broken. And the penalty of sin is overcome in justification. Al, why do I still sin? It's because the presence of sin still remains. What the Bible calls indwelling sin, the flesh. And so Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says the following in your notes. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. A sinful nature, that word sarks, can be translated flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you may not do what you want to do. We've all had that. I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. I want to stop this sin. But it's almost like, I do it. Okay. So at that moment, what's happening is sanctification's in play. There's a battle for holiness. Your salvation's not in play. That's secure in Christ. But your sanctification, he's working sanctification in you. And what's the battlefield for this? It's the heart. Number three there, see it? The heart is the battlefield. We can never say that someone made us sin. We sin because we want to sin. We sin because we desire something and we go after it. Romans 7, 8, and 21. But sin produced in me every kind of covetous desire. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Welcome. Come on in. So our sinful nature, it comes from the desires that are in our heart. So James, James 1, 14 says this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. I love what James 4, 1 says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And it goes on to say in James 4, we get angry when we don't get what we want. All right. So at at the conclusion there of that section, indwelling sin inclines our hearts to forget the gospel and to seek happiness, joy, peace, rest, and security and satisfaction outside of Christ. The heart's idolatrous pursuit of, quote, life outside of Christ leads to sinful behavior. It leads to people giving their bodies and their hearts to other people long before they ever should because they idolatrously crave a relationship. They idolatrously crave someone to say, oh, you're beautiful. Well, some of us will never have that said of us, but... Uh, Some people give their souls for their jobs, because they idolatrously crave the security that money brings. It's not even the money they bring. 
They crave the security. And instead of trying to find it in Christ and Christ alone, they put it in, if I make enough money, right? And a lot of us come from parents of immigrants. Some of us are immigrants. Uh, we know what it is to live in poverty. We know what it is to live in a lack of security. We know what it is to live in, you know, like, are we going to make it? And so we can idolatrously put our trust in money. Fill in the blank, okay? People, things. And they will always disappoint you. They will always disappoint you. Christ alone will not. So we've got to deal with my heart. You can't make me mad. Anger was here. You just did something to kind of kick the barrel, and then out came the acid. But the barrel was filled with vinegar or acid. When I get in a traffic accident, it's like kicking the barrel. What comes out? What's in my heart? Okay. When my boss is mean to me and unfairly treats me, what comes out? What's already in my heart? Praise God, Jesus has cleansed my heart, justification, and Jesus is cleansing my heart, sanctification. You got that? So it's not from a position of I'm trying to gain God's approval. I have it. Now God said, let me change you to be who you are. All right? So here's the process of holiness. Do you see that? Capital E, everybody there, the process of holiness. What page are we on, guys, for for us? Six? Page six, I think, of lesson two. The process of holiness, sanctification. So number one, the Holy Spirit works. Friends, this is primarily a work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot sanctify yourself. And that's the thing we have to really guard against. All right? You all know the word synergism? When two things or two people work together and the sum of the whole is greater than the parts? That's sanctification. Justification is monergistic. Monergism, one. God said, I'm going to, say, I'm going to justify you. And he called you. And he put it and he drew you. Yes, you said, I believe, Lord, but you would have never said, I believe, unless he had drawn you. And he draws you irresistibly. Monergistic. Sanctification is synergistic. But what we must never forget is the, 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 the chief partner, or whatever they call it, the ruling partner, my brain's going off now, senior partner, that is, is the Holy Spirit. Always will be, always has to be. So even when you blow it, he's still committed. Come on, get up, son. Let's go. Let's go out and run again. Let's go, let's go do this, okay? Second uh, Corinthians 3.18, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? John Calvin says this, The only good we do is what he does in us. It is not that we do nothing ourselves. That's not true but that we act only when we have been acted upon. See, the only reason we even want to be like Jesus is he first acted upon us. In other words, under the direction and influence of the Holy Spirit. All right, so the Holy Spirit works too. We work. Friends, we are responsible before God, and I love this passage. Look at it in your notes, Philippians 2.12, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Whoa, does that mean I saved myself? No, sir. No, ma'am. You do not. We, We covered that last week. But we are involved in the process of becoming who we are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, look at Colossians 1, 29 there. I love this passage. To this end, this is Paul, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which, which he works so powerfully in me. And that, I think that quote is messed up there, so I apologize. But the, but the idea there, you can look it up, is that Paul's saying, I, yeah, if someone has it, great. Thank you, Eric. 
if you could read that for me. So the idea is I'm gonna I'm gonna labor. Now listen, struggling with all his energy that he works in me. Have you ever felt tired? Have you ever felt like that's it? Well, there's a source that never gets tired. We get tired, right? You get tired of that sin that you want to stop doing. You know? It says, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which is so powerfully, which so powerfully works in me. Okay. Eric? Same. Okay. So he's working it in me. It's his energy. All right. When it says that so powerfully works in me, the idea is he is working it because he works all things. All right. All right. Um, so we need a strategy. We need a strategy. And here's the strategy that the Bible gives us for growing in grace. It's called put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on. Um, it's called putting to death sin. And so the passage that I have been so benefited, there's, there's a couple of places where you'll find this, Ephesians 4, but the one that I've been particularly helped by is Colossians. So under putting sin to death, look at Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, that's a mouthful, is it not? I mean, if you just want to, like, put a neon sign over the prevailing sins of South Florida, right there. (laughs) This is where we live. And as Latinos, right? I mean, it's just, look at me. I live for me. Money, money, money. And, you know, it's all about me. I'm talking, I'm tired about, of talking about me. Sasha, would you start talking about me, please? You know, it's just, it's the me channel, 24-7. And, uh, and so we want to change, don't we? Because that's a, that's a lousy way to live, isn't it? We've all lived that way, haven't we? And some of us have more things to be regretful over than others, but we all have a few things that like, oh, I missed it there. Praise God, he changes us. Now, Eric, are you at Colossians 3? Would you mind reading verses 1 to 4, the verses that immediately precede verse 5? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, where you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear Okay, so what, what Eric just read is the gospel. It's that, it's that justification piece where Paul says, since that has happened, since you have a new life, since you're dead, since you're alive in Christ, since you're justified, and then in verse 5 he says, put to death therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, you should always ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? Because it's going to point you back to something else. So the process now of sanctification is going to take you from verse 5 all the way to verse 17. Verse 5 to 17. And if you were to read that, he's going to tell you at different places, put this to death. Uh, Jump in at verse, I think, 7. Hey, guys, that's all right. Armando, Elizabeth. Yes. And they're three wonderful little boys. (laughs) Jump into verse 7, Eric, real quick. In these you two once walked, or... I'm sorry, eight. Jump into eight. I missed it by one. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, uh, and 
obscene talk from your mouth. Okay, so, so, so there's a second group of things that he's saying to put, put off, right? So, I don't have time to go into it, because remember I told you I condensed two lessons? <laughs> we can talk more about this as, as uh, individuals when we do the pastoral interview with you and your family. But this, this alone revolutionized my Christian walk. Because I grew up in a context where if you sinned, then it, it's probably a demon. You probably had a demon. Now, I'm not saying that demons don't at times work in people's lives. But, you know, quite frankly, when I was a young man in Miami, the reason I was promiscuous wasn't a demon. It was my flesh. Sadly. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm ashamed about it. You know, and I did things that I should not have done. But it's because I wanted to do them. Because I was fallen. I was a rebel against God. I was looking for life in pleasure and in things that could never satisfy me. And I was willing to go outside of the boundaries that God said I should live in. Okay, so when I began to realize, even as a Christian, I can be tempted to do this stuff, then suddenly I had hope because I realized, okay, we can fight this thing by the power of the gospel. And that's exactly what he's saying here. What page are we on for Armando and Elizabeth? Six. We're on page six. Yes, ish. Thank you, Eric. All right. Okay, I'm going to now go to B, which is probably seven, cultivating righteousness. Let's go to the put on. Okay, what did we just talk about, guys? That by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can kill that which was killing me. Because I have new life in me. It's impossible without the new life. But I have it in Christ. So therefore, by by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be killing the sin that is killing me. But that's only half the equation of becoming more like Jesus. If all it is is no, that's... I don't think that's very envisioning. But there's a huge yes. And here's the huge yes. Look at verse 12. Eric, if you've got it there, since you're already in Colossians 3, read, read verse 12. This is the put on, or the cultivating righteousness in your notes. Put on, then, as God's chosen one, chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Wow. So there you go. So you take off the inappropriate clothing, right, that we're all familiar with in South Florida that reveals way too much and that is designed to entice. Just, let's just stay with that picture because that's the picture he uses as a clothing. You take off the lust and the immorality and the impurity, the anger, the slander. Are you given to anger and slander and bitterness? Are you given to... Sins of the flesh of just wanting appetite and pleasures. Are you given to bitter critical thoughts and, 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 and just all oh, my hateful heart toward people? Take it off. Those are rags. They don't befit you. You are a son or a daughter of the king. Jesus is your Lord. And now what do you put on? You put on new clothing. Not necessarily this, but you put on new clothing. And what does the clothing look like, right? Read some of those things. Humility, meekness, patience. Bearing with one another, uh, forgiving each other. And that's beautiful clothing. How do we do that? How do we do that? Number three, the weapons for the battle. Well, okay, remember now, while you're going, I don't know if I can do that, Al. I've been an angry person since I was small. My parents were angry. They fought all the time. When I'm in traffic, I'm yelling at people, if not in my heart, then with my mouth, and then sometimes even with my finger. Uh, 
And that's just who I am. No, it's not. You're a new creation in Christ. You can be different. You don't have to lust. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to live in selfishness. Okay? Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that's working this in you. It's the Holy Spirit that's been given to do this in you. Hallelujah. God, the Holy Spirit, is with me. Even in my worst moment, my sinful moment, when I wouldn't want anybody to know what I was doing or thinking, God's with me. That's why Jesus died for that sin. Makes me love him so much. But then he empowers me. Okay? But then he also gives me weapons. Look at the weapons. The Bible. It exposes our thoughts and our hearts. No time to read it, but Hebrews 4.12. Prayer. Oh, my. Right next door. I know you couldn't go because I told some of you you couldn't go. Thank you for obeying me. (laughs) But get get the tape or get the digital copy of the message. Of course, the Holy Spirit. Other Christians. Listen, it's crucial to be involved with other Christians. If you're not already in a community group, I encourage you to find one and and go to one. They need you. You need them. All right. We're not going to be able to spend as much time on the next two aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit. But Roman numeral four, the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. So what we've looked at is the Holy Spirit is God's active presence. The Holy Spirit is God's purifying presence. And now we're looking at the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. Roman numeral four, which is on page 10 or 12 ish, or even nine. 10, page 10. All right. So, so we're, we're looking at the personal work of the Holy Spirit, His act, God's active presence, God's purifying presence, and now God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit has been given to us that we might be witnesses. Look at Acts 1, 6 through 8. See that on your text? Acts 1, everybody there? Acts 1, 6 through 8, the quote on your notes. You got it, Armando? Um, I think my book's incomplete. It's a jump from lesson 2 to lesson 4. That's sad. Anybody else's book do that? All right. Thank you, Eric. Uh, so, Acts 1, 6 through 8. It's kind of tough to follow it when your book's incomplete, right? That's the sermon illustration somewhere there. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples on the 40th day of his resurrected body on earth. He was crucified 40 days earlier. This is day 40. And he's saying this to them. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then what does he do? He ascends into heaven. And 10 days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on mankind. Why? Because the ascended Jesus went and sat on the right hand of the Father. He was enthroned, and the Father and the Son sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. And why? So that we might be witnesses, so that we might be holy. We just talked about the holiness part, and we're talking about the witnesses part. So we want to have a passion for the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, He saved us through the washing of rebirth, Titus 3, 5a and 6, in your notes. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. 
generously. I love what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 to 20. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. The Spirit fills us, and God says you must be being filled. That is the commandment of Scripture. Look at Ephesians 5, 18. See it in the notes? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody there? If you're not there, say, oh, no. All right. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine. I love that he's writing this to Christians. A, they're drinking wine. And B, he's telling them, don't get drunk. Which means that C, they probably were getting drunk. Now, I don't love that they were getting drunk. But I love the humanity of Scripture. we got Christians trying to walk it out. And he's saying, hey guys, cut it out. Enjoy your vino, you know? If you like a nice cab, a little Merlot, that's great. But don't get drunk. He doesn't just say what not to do. Then look what he says which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were probably doing what so many of us do. They were looking to wine to make them happy. And God says, I've got something far greater than that. It's the Holy Spirit. Enjoy the wine. It's good for your stomach, good for your digestion. But don't get drunk. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, that is our command. That word filled, plerao, means to be being filled, to be crammed full. And that is what scripture teaches. No time to go through these. You can see them in your notes. But this is what we would believe at Palm Vista Community Church. That there is one baptism of the Holy Spirit and that occurs when you're saved. When you are saved, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is the Spirit who baptizes you into Christ, who baptizes you into the body of Christ, who who gives you new life. He opens your eyes. He gives your dead heart life. He gives you unfaith and repentance so that you might be justified. He applies the work of Jesus Christ into your life, and he sets you on this new course. But there are many fillings or infillings of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to just have one time where you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you read all these texts, which we don't have time to read this morning, you will see that particularly in the book of Acts, These guys are being filled with the Holy Spirit afresh and anew over and over and over and over and over. Over and over. And that's what we should be seeking. Now go all the way down to where it says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Here at Palm Vista Community Church, we believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament continue uh, through to today. The, the fancy term for that is we are continuationists. Everybody there where it says eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Okay. Okay. So we are continuationists. We believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available today for us. We are not cessationists who would say that the gifts or some gifts ceased at the death of the last apostle or ceased at the closing of the canon of scripture. And if I just lost you, write down, he lost me here. Ask him about this later, okay? I'd be happy to talk to you about it. But the Bible clearly teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, 1a, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now I'm going to read right from the notes there. So you can read along with me. In addition to giving us increased boldness and effectiveness in witness, prompting worship and thanksgiving in our hearts, increasing our growth in godliness. Now, right there, you've got, you've got the reason the Holy Spirit has come. You see that paragraph? That's a good paragraph. You can highlight that paragraph. In addition to giving us increased boldness and effectiveness and witness, 
prompting worship and thanksgiving in our hearts, increasing our growth in godliness. Listen, your desire to worship this morning together comes from the Holy Spirit. And strengthening our relationship with other believers, the Holy Spirit also imparts spiritual gifts for the edification or the building up of the church and, the, and for works of ministry in the world. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 in the, in the notes there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Mm-hmm. In Scripture, all of the gifts from seemingly natural ones like mercy and serving to supernatural ones like healing are all viewed as being from God and empowered by the Spirit. And all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church of the first century are available today. Scripture suggests that the gifts are given to the church until Christ's return. And there's no indication anywhere in Scripture that any of the gifts were intended to pass away with the early church. And I'm going to conclude the class by reading these two lengthy texts, and then we'll have to um, conclude here in a moment. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. I'm going to read from the notes here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts. These are that Greek word charismata. These are, this is that Greek word charismata. Okay? There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. God empowers these things to us through the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Notice that, for the common good. Not to show off, but for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, Scripture says... Pursue, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, we are here as your pastors to help you do that and then to equip you for the work of ministry. Now, lest you think it's only those sort of miraculous gifts that he's talking about, no. Look at the next text in there. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here we go. Having gifts. There's that word, gifts. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that differ according to the grace given to us. Grace, the whole word charismata, you could just, charis is grace. So these are grace gifts. These are gifts given by God because he has grace on us so that we might build the church up. We might build one another up. Some of them are miraculous and supernatural. Some of them are very normal. And here you have some of the normal ones. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, now that's supernatural in proportion to our faith. If service, hey, when Chandra's going to go set up the hospitality table, there's nothing fancy about that. She's lugging big boxes and putting things out. She's doing uh, 
uh, schedules. Who's going to man the table? Who's going to make the Cuban coffee? Because if you don't have Cuban coffee, there's a rebellion. Who's going to go buy? Who's going to go buy the donuts? Okay, that's the gift of service. But it's in, if you don't think that that's not empowered by the Holy Spirit, whereas if someone heals somebody, it is. You're wrong. They both are. It's the broad work of the Holy Spirit. It's 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 both and, not either or. And we need that gift in the church. If service and are serving, verse 7, the one who teaches and is teaching. What I'm doing right now, guys, I prayed, empower me, Holy Spirit. This is just not my personality. It's not because I'm loud and like to talk a lot. I may be loud and like to talk a lot. And maybe God made me that way because I was going to be a teacher. But if I'm not anointed by the Holy Spirit, what am I doing? See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God. God, help me to teach this so my friends can understand it and make a, a, an informed decision about whether they want to join Palm Vista and build your church, Lord. Verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Exhortation is, is a person that says, come on, you can do it. He's that person that picks you up. He's exhorting you. He's encouraging you. That's a gift of the Spirit. The one who contributes in generosity. Did you know that giving is a gift of the Holy Spirit? There are some people that have a real gift of giving. You know how you can tell who those people are sometimes? Because they are people that are always thinking about the financial side of things. You know that person that may slide a couple of dollars into your hand? or you know, they, just, they, they just seem to be there. They're thinking about the needs of a certain ministry. That's a gift of giving. Should we all give? Yeah. But there's some people that are really... And sometimes God even enables those people to make a lot of money. Not because they're greedy people, but because he knows he can trust them and they'll take that money and invest it wisely. That's a real gift. The church needs that, right? People who financially can help support the ministries. The one who contributes in generosity, notice we're to do it generously. The one who leads with zeal. I should be leading the church with zeal. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Well, my friends, no time here because I've got to end. They've asked us to end at a certain time so that we can all go pray if you want or if you have other things you need to do, that's fine. But let me just say that the final section here, we just want to pursue all this together at Palm Vista, that last section, pursuing God's empowering presence together. Uh, We do it on Sunday mornings. We do it on Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or whenever you guys meet in your community groups or whatever small groups that you're meeting in. And we, we trust God that he is working his will in us. Amen? Amen. That's a lot. If you have questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. I'm going to go pray right now. Write them down. Give me a call. Send me an email. And we can talk further, okay? All right. God bless you.